Bodies all in the studio, wishing for the darkest skinned women be at the shows. Purple naked ladies while I watch her dance in the mirror. She dirty dancing, I call her Diana. She microphone. Pop goes, weasel, pop goes, pop. Everyone. So for today's episode, we are going to talk about something that I am very passionate about. And I know Sydney really wants to talk about. And for it sure. is the treatment that black women get in society and the world, all that goodness. Yes, um, I kind of think we're gonna give y'all like a Dr. Umar Johnson moment, but like more in the eyes, <laughs> but more in the eyes of um, just a black woman and a black man. Um, but first, just like, how was your week, man? What's been going on? You know, um, twenty twenty going to twenty twenty one. You know, Happy New Year's, all that. Right. Um, I feel like the end of twenty twenty was trials and tribulations, but I got a lot of good and riches that came out of that. Mm-hmm. I went through a lot just in regards of like my family and my mental health and for a while there I was like really really struggling but after that and after I just kind of like you know made amends it's been really good my relationship with my father is better than it has been in years we got accepted into one of my dream schools like hello it's it's giving it's giving it and really I'm not is. tell y'all which school just in case I say something that gets me canceled and I don't want y'all to rescind my letter anyways Ha. Not me literally in the YouTube comments. Um, you know, it's fine. <laughs> All right. Um, how has your week been, though, Sydney? Um, it's been really uneventful, but in a good way. Um, yeah. I consider myself to be a very productive person on a day-to-day basis. And being out for the break is relieving. Like, just being able to sit down and do nothing, to be able to sleep until 12 and not it's be really productive. really refreshing. It really was. Trying to stay sane while being at home. It's been kind of challenging, but I'm grateful that we made it another year. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wasn't expecting to make it to 2021, and I don't mean that in any kind of way, other than this year has been absolutely insane, and I'm just grateful that we all made it. It, it was one of the quickest, but also one of the fat, slowest years ever. Exactly. Like, it, anyway, ugh. And I'm still reflecting on, like, the beginning, the very, very beginning, like, in January when, like, all those bombs were going off. California was on fire, and it's still People on fire. People were making jokes about COVID. Exactly. And then here we are. <laughs> I remember at my school, they made us write letters to the Chinese kids suffering COVID. Where yeah. are our letters? Hello? Like, anyways. It's sad. It um, is. <laughs> However, karma... Let's get into the episode. So, first little disclaimer, you could say. I am not trying to excuse any action that this person has done. I'm merely using them as an example. Details. My favorite, y'all know, Azalea Banks. I, I love Azalea Banks. She's so talented, yada, 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 all that. However, comma... She is obviously bipolar and is crazy. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm no way trying to defend what she has done mm-hmm. or how aggressive she is. Mm-hmm. But when we see someone like Kanye, who was also bipolar, have literal breakdowns on social media, peeing on his Grammy, running for president, saying Harry Tumman and Free the Slaves, right. when we have it working for the white people, which gag, but he's praised. Or people kind of take it as a joke and laugh at him, say, oh, yeah, he's dancing for Massa, but, like, mm-hmm. he's not blackballed from the industry. Like, it's pick it me, pick sense. me, but it's, um, 
it also stems from his connection to the Kardashians oh, and I guess that level that. of hierarchy. Um, Azalea doesn't have that. She's mm-hmm. literally, I'm going to say an everyday girl, but um, overlooking her her mental illness and her willingness to do anything for clout or to catch people's attention. I feel like if everyone took her a little bit more seriously and if she got the help that she needed, we could all really just hone in on her ability to rap and her talent. Oh, yeah. And I feel like she would be much better off. But no one cares about her like that. Because although the Kardashians don't care about, I feel they don't care about Kanye um, the way that they need to. Because they're using him and they're reaping his benefits um, for being a black man. And that's a whole nother conversation. Um, we know how you feel about it. Lord have mercy, I'm about to, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel that Azalea doesn't have those connections. She doesn't have that ability to bounce back after saying something so ridiculous. Um, it's just disappointing, that's all. Yeah, and I feel like what you mentioned that we could really hone into her because I might um, offend someone, but Azalea Banks is literally more talented than Cardi, yet Cardi is considered, people always try and call her the queen of rap. I dare say she's more talented mm. than Doja Cat. Um, I okay. dare say that she's more talented than Doja Cat simply because of her lyricism, her flow, and she's just... Very we don't have, we don't have to argue about this. I am no I am not a Doja advocate. However, <laughs> you have to be able to No. Um you literally have to be able to look at creativity, lyricism, delivery, um, and overall public appearance. Yeah. Doja, she has had her faults, especially recently with that whole Oh, I'm in the KKK webcam. Um, <laughs> I say can't. Say girls for me, you know. I can't. But, but no, she, her creativity is unmatched. She's very talented. However, she gets blackballed from the industry. And I feel like part of that is due to her being a black woman. Yep. It's, yeah. I, it's just I really agree. Sad. Um, so the actual term for this kind of societal treatment is called um, misogynoir. It's defined as the specific hatred, dislike, distrust, and prejudice directed towards Black women specifically. The term was created and established by queer Black feminist. Her name was Moya Bailey. Um, and according to dictionary.com, it's something that can be done so discreetly that I guess people can't um, recognize until they really sit down and check their <laughs> curb your privilege. Check your privilege. Um, yeah. It's something that I consider to be a repercussion of being a Black woman, not so much um, a consequence, because being a Black woman is the best thing I can have for myself. Um, And it not only stands for Black women in America, but all over the world, because as we know, racism is not something that is only subjected to the United States of America. Um, My grandfather and I, we have these conversations every once in a while, and um, he talks to me about his work and his day-to-day conversations, and he tells me about sometimes his interactions and his socialization with customers and his team members, and he'll have conversation starters. I go like, um, when I walk into a room, 
do you see a black person or do you see a man first? And I always see I see a man hey. first. And I don't know if it's because I'm a woman that I have to be on guard around men, especially, or am I subconsciously really meaning to say, hey, I see a black person because in all actuality, I feel more comfort when I see a black person in a room with me. This is just an example of how these two identities are really stepping on my chest and really preventing me from being comfortable in any kind of situation, whether there's a man in the room, whether there's a black person in the room, I am not able to find that comfortability as I guess other women or other um, individuals of different races can. Yeah. And I feel like what really stuck out to me when you were talking about that is I feel like misogynoir is what I like to call a social pandemic. It kind of infects the minds of those who are subject to the illness to perceive black women or have this narrative of black women that is negative. All the stereotypes of, oh, black women are unkept, black women are ugly, nappy hair, da 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 da. And just bringing down black women. And secondly, when you talked about having to be aware of men, I remember. I was out with my friends yesterday, COVID safe, y'all. And they were talking about, oh, is that car following us? Like, make sure that car isn't following us, turn here. I was like, why are y'all being so paranoid? And they were like, because it's dark outside and the car looks like it's following us. And I was like, okay, your point. And they were like, we're women, it's different. Like, we really have to be worried about this. Now, something that as a man, I, as you know, I didn't even consider. I was just like, y'all are being paranoid. And then they brought that up, and I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like, I couldn't imagine not being able to walk or just drive at night with fear that someone is going to kidnap me. And it's different with Black women because, yes, women of all race and ethnicity have to fear that. However, Black women, being the most underprivileged society, have another fear. And while all women have that fear, most women also have a man of that of their same culture or identity to back them up and make them feel protected. Exactly. However, this is something that as a black man, I feel like black men don't always treat black women the best and oftentimes treat black women with the most disrespect when we're the ones that should be uplifting black women, especially when there's a certain level of privilege that comes with being, especially with me one, not a woman, and not even being fully black, there's a certain level of privilege comes with that. And we need to do whatever we can to uplift black women and try and get that negative stereotype away and help them. And um, I just want to say, I appreciate that you're able to step back and evaluate, I guess, the concept and the situations that you've been in to where you will now understand or have a, a grasp on how difficult it is. Um, a lot of people can't do that. But in all, I agree with what you said by a ton. And um, just a, a short thought I had. At some point in time, Black men, I feel, stopped protecting Black women the way that I feel that they were intended to. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if the disconnect took place, I guess, once Black men began to move up in the world in the 1860s um, after they were given the right to vote. Or maybe when white women started to become infatuated with black men and they lost focus on their own women and their own communities. 
And it definitely could have been when the societal shift between men and women took place. But hit the Black community the hardest, alongside struggles of institutionalized racism, the system of colorism embedded since the beginning of the state of enslavement, and even just a literal draining of Black people's culture and resources done since the beginning of time. And I know we're ready for the conversation, but I don't think the rest of the world is. Um, They are. They are. They don't know. And it's like, they might know, but they choose not to listen or acknowledge. And that's, I don't know which one is worse, to be honest. You said it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, If I'm being completely honest, as the days go by and I emerge myself farther and farther into the depths of social media and, I guess, this generation's standards, a lot of Black men don't seem like an option for me. And I feel like a lot of other Black girls feel like this, too. Not because I'm not attracted to them, not because um, some of them are saying directly to me, hey, I'm not interested in you because of your personality, not because of the color of your skin. Um, And they're so engulfed in the image of Black women that societal standards have set. It's just kind of difficult for me to be confident enough to make that move. But I really wanted to get into... um, colorism within the black community concerning women and how it affects the dynamics of our sisterhood but before i speak i want to hear your thoughts so firstly i would like to say you hit the nail on the head about how black men have kind of stopped protecting black women and i feel like it's a narrative that is being pushed that black men when they got the right to vote we got the rates that we got we were on a boat. There's that, like you said, there's no show we have to cross. However, while black men were on a boat, black women were on a raft. And calling out saying, hey, I know you have some more room on that boat. And them being like, oh, oh well. I feel like all black women are treated horribly. But even with that said, dark black women get the absolute worst of the worst treatment in the entire black community and the world, period. Everyone has it out for them, I feel like. From the whole, I don't need dark skins, and just waiting to for a chance to call them ugly or say, "Oh, you have nappy hair," or "ghetto" and "dirty," while fetishizing white women, but still putting them down, saying they that they're all catfish, and oh, I'm going swimming on the first date to imply that they're going to be ugly without makeup on. Not to mention the the discrimination that black women get in the workforce across all industries being a stereotype of ghetto or oh you don't want them working for you they're gonna bring down the quote-unquote property value they're all they're gonna do is cause drama yada 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 right the discrimination that black women get period like even within we want to look at the health industry doctors are to black women what police officers are to black men so that is a word for a long time, they thought black men, both black men and women, couldn't feel pain. And they would test on us like we were rats. So I feel like there's an added level of discrimination to them, just put simply. Yeah. And for me, honestly, it's different because I grew up and went to a very white school. And even how light I was was still not enough. And though it wasn't 
good enough, I was still kind of grateful because there were darker people that went to my school too. And they got a lot worse treatment than I did. But I didn't I didn't feel like I was getting any special privilege. However, in a school that, you know, we went to the same school is as diverse as ours. It's different. It's that's something that I've never really had to deal with personally. So onto the topic of those dynamics between light brown and dark skins in the black community. These past few weeks, I've been watching these monumental black movies from the 80s and 90s and even the early 2000s, I think. Um, when I tell you I am shook, Josiah, I do mean it. I really mean it. Which movies? Um, so I rewatched Boys in the Hood. <laughs> okay, I'm shut up. So I rewatched Boys in the Hood. I watched Django for the first time. I watched School Days. Um, yeah, it was just, it was kind of fun because every single time I get asked by any black person, like, have you ever seen this movie? Da, 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 da. No, I haven't seen White Men Can't Jump. <laughs> and what about it? Like, give me a second. Um, anyway. With Boys in the Hood, Lawrence Fishburne plays Trey's father, who is the main character um, and atypical. He, I guess, as we all know, almost gets caught up in the repeating plot of gang violence in his neighborhood. And Lawrence plays his, like I said, his dad, and his name is Jason. And Jason raises Trey from the age of eight to about 17 or 18 to be a respectable young man and teaches him how to stay focused and not involved with what his friends have to offer, which is BS. Um, there's a certain scene in the movie where Jason, Ricky, and Trey go out to Compton and Jason talks to everybody in the neighborhood, young and old, and tells them that we are put up against each other so that, quote unquote, the man doesn't have to do it for us. Um, they, as in the man, introduces guns, um, other weapons, drugs, gangs, into our communities, and they let us kill each other so that they don't have to do it for us. And the message hit some in that audience, but went over a lot of people's heads, especially the young people. And shortly after watching Boys in the Hood again, I'm watching School Days by Spike Lee. And Lawrence again, Lawrence Fishburne, plays a character named Dap, who's a college student and was portraying that same message that we need to reconnect to our roots and we need to stop putting each other against each other. And he has a really well-developed character. But he also has a very well-known prejudice against the lighter complexity Blacks on the college campus who aren't more into, oh, um, I'm more to step in and getting into fraternities and sororities and just being a family rather than daps and um, goals and plans as to being connected to Mother Africa once again. Um, <laughs> and I liked the movie because of the way Spike Lee depicted that inner community battle as far as colorism. And I felt like I related to that a lot um, in some ways because I genuinely believed a lot of what he spit to his friends into the club. And I often wonder, do I have prejudices of my own against non-dark skins um, solely due to what I've been through and does it purposely further draw lines in the sand as Willie Lynch wanted like what do you think I think that um, first of all his friends are coons and I don't know <laughs> if it's 
just because I'm of mixed race, but I've never really understood. I mean, for like a brief time, there was a time I was like, I don't want to be black. That mess, right? However, I cannot understand just not wanting to be the blackest you can be and like doing everything you can to express your culture. Like, can you actually imagine what it's not like to be black? I can't, I can't even, I can't, I really can't. Like, even with all the stuff that we have to go through, no, I don't think I'd have it any other way. However, I don't think you have any prejudice towards non dark skinned people simply because I'm about as light as a Danish girl in the middle of winter and we're still friends. However, bye, (laughs) (laughs) I am. However, gravitating it more towards black women, I definitely, on the outside looking in, can see a clear prejudice on both sides of the scale, and for different reasons. What I mean is that for dark women, there's a prejudice against them because people equate them as undesirable or unpretty, even within our own community. And there is, as you said, a prejudice. However, I wouldn't even call it a prejudice. More like a preconceived notion to stay away from light-skinned girls because people call them promiscuous or whores or because they know that they are more desirable and prettier. And so outside looking in, I have noticed the effects of colorism and how it affects black women. And even within, like, I'm not even going to say the hate light when we get with our own community, but kind of like the, I'll say it for you, the coon chip. Well, activates. Like, <laughs> how do you even come up with something? It's so outlandish. So I'm just sitting here and I'm like, okay, so you're telling me you'd rather make up something about a black woman making this account and making these fake tweets on purpose to embarrass black guys rather than just accept what you did and come through with the consequences and admit that this is how I feel and I stand by it. I respect that so much more than redirecting what you did on someone else. Anyway, after those screenshots of that chat got um you know kind of thrown around on twitter um a lot of black guys were like this is why black women don't like us they're always trying to tear us down this is why our community is broken this is the third and i'm like okay i can't watch this anymore but long story short this is a direct example of what josiah and i mean when we say that our community is so unfocused and there's just some kind of rift between the men and the women in this community. Josiah. Um, I really agreed with what you said. Um, especially about the Eurocentric beauty standards. At like age 12. With the help of my family. I kind of had to figure out like. Why am I not white? And why is my hair not straight? And like those that sense of self-doubt. Thankfully, I wasn't as interested in getting my hair pressed or straightened, and I just wanted to know why my hair didn't appear that way naturally. And I'm glad I was just told straight up, hey, you're black. Thanks, mom. And then I go to bed. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to know um, why I was the way I was, and I feel that she very much gave me the truth. And I I still, I'm very grateful for that. Um, My mom felt that she was preventing me from hair damage by not letting me get a relaxer um, as she did. My mom literally has the thickest hair I've ever seen in my life. And when she was little, my granny got her a relaxer and my aunt. Um, she got my mom and my aunt a relaxer. And for those who are not clear as to what a relaxer is, um, it's a kind of product that straightens your 
hair from its natural state. Um, and I guess a perm would be the opposite. So someone who has naturally straight hair, I guess it would make it curlier and have um, a texture. Um, and what a relaxer does, hair, according to hairclub.com, hair relaxers straighten hair by penetrating the cuticle and the cortex layers of the hair shaft to loosen the natural curl pattern. This process leaves the hair weak, brittle, and prone to breakage. It can even burn your skin, causing permanent damage to the scalp and lead to hair loss. My grandma's reasoning probably being so that it'd be easier to work with, because like I mentioned, she has really thick hair. Um, and when I talk to my mom, she never really indicates if she regrets the fact that she had one, but she made sure I didn't get my head anywhere near chemical or um, a flat iron so that I had heat damage as well. I've been natural my entire life, and I will continue to be natural because it's important to me and my identity. And I always find that within the, bl- uh, the Black community, as women, we tend to judge other women for not having relaxers or for having them. And it changes throughout time. Um, the way society treats them now is completely different from how they were viewed in 2001 or even 2012. I've had a few Black friends that have had relaxers, and they tell me how uncomfortable they are sometimes talking about their hair because they feel judged. And there's especially this one situation with this close friend of mine. We're going to call her Miranda. And I have a black, I had a black biology teacher and she wore her hair natural all the time. Um, and she would clown Miranda for having a relaxer in many discreet ways. And she made her the center of attention when it came to hair. Um, Miranda being one of the only other black kids in my class, there was probably three in total. Um, she would openly, my teacher would openly compliment my hair and my choice of wearing it in an afro to school but would bash Miranda in front of our white, Hispanic, Black, Asian, and Latino classmates. And it was embarrassment. It was embarrassing. I felt the secondhand embarrassment. But it was also kind of interesting enough to sit back and watch because I had never been on that end of the spectrum and of the tormenting. Um, As a kid, I was always teased for my complexion and for my natural 4C hair. And as a high schooler, I'm literally watching my dark-skinned natural hair-wearing teacher verbally harass a lighter-skinned student, um, which may I add, may or may not have been her decision to get one, just as my mom didn't have the decision to get one. Um, but she made sure that when she had me, it would be an option. It would not be an option until I learned the good and bad consequences of getting one. And when I was an adult with my own hard-earned money and my time and you know resources to make those decisions, that would be up to me. Um, I appreciate the way that my mom presented that option, I guess, and the way that she raised me um, in so many different ways. But her teaching me to love myself and my natural and where I come from is something that I feel is priceless. I feel like our hair is such an important part of our identity. And you mentioned that you were attacked for your hair, even though, for me, I feel like 4C hair... To me, such a beautiful hair texture because even though it's so not fragile, but there's so much delicate care that goes into 4C hair, it's still so powerful in the sense that you can pull it and put in all these braids and all these twists and everything. It is such a beautiful hair texture. But when I was growing up, I was told that I was lucky to not have 4C hair. And that, oh, like your hair is so nice. It's this good i have i think you could both say like it's like a 3b and here's a nice 3b 
I love my hair. I'm thankful for it, but I don't think that I'm more lucky to have a straighter texture of hair because to me, it's just something that's so important. Right. I remember being so confused when I was younger. Like, why are they treating me like an animal because I have a straighter hair texture? I'm like, oh, your hair blows in the wind. Good for you. You don't, not, your hair's not nappy. Da, 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 da. And I was like, okay, all right, okay, thank you. But again, gravitating more towards black women, I want to tell a story too. You know, gather around children. So it's, this story is about. A man. It's giving campfire. I'm sorry. It's giving a campfire. It is. Roblox. Come on. About a man. Right. Hitler. And I, because he's German and he's racist. And I said, Hitler, why are you always trying to make black women the butt of the joke? He says, What do you mean? I tell him, I always see how he tries to attack black women. And he talks specifically about weave. And I had to give him a little history lesson about how weave is actually a Eurocentric beauty standard set by the French when they would wear horse hair. And put that on their head. Megan! So, <laughs> when y'all brought us over here, y'all saw that our hair was less than and unacceptable. So black people were forced to wear wigs or cover their hair if they wanted to fit into society and get a job. He said that women are not forced to wear wigs anymore. To which I told him that they very much are forced to wear a wig. Because if they want to pay their bills, they have to wear a wig. Because their natural hair is seen as unprofessional. Secondly, as a white Christian male in America... He does not understand generational trauma and how it sometimes is ingrained as survival into your head for hundreds of years. It's a little hard to just stop all of a sudden. I put it in the terms you can understand by taking a look at the Jewish people. It took the Jewish people hundreds of years to bounce back after slavery in Egypt. So why is it any different for black people to which he went silent? Anyways, white men do better. All men do better, but um, <laughs> that wraps up this episode of. This is not up for debate. Thank you guys for watching or listening. Yes, thank you so much. All right.